Welcome to the Soil and Stars podcast. This is a podcast about living a meaningful life in all ways. We'll talk about astrology and other wisdom traditions, creativity, natural health, spirituality, and all sorts of practical day-to-day life stuff. I'm your host, Molly Moorhead. Hello and welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is Molly, Soil and Stars podcast. So today I have another solo show. I am going to read my newsletter, but I'm going to say some other stuff too. It's just, uh, once you take all the time to write something, it's probably better than if you just wing it, right? So last week you may have heard or read the, the episode called View from the Outside Part 1. This is part two. Uh, This is also a little bit more high level. I mean, like looking down big picture. I think that next week I'm going to share more of my own personal story. Um, It just felt important to talk about kind of these bigger topics. So I'm going to be doing that before I get into it. Uh, I just want to say the Prairie Herbalist Conference was this past weekend up in kind of northern Nebraska, northern-ish. Nebraska, and I just felt like it went really well. I had a really nice time. I taught my class called Living Landscape, which is a class about some of the lesser known histories and other ways of working with common landscaping plants. I have four plants that I go through, and we talk about, uh, yeah, in terms of how they are also food and medicine, some of them, and uh, of super interesting histories, you know, and how to work with poisonous plants um, as spirit allies and friends. So I've taught this class twice now. I theoretically am going to do an online version, right, for any of you who aren't living in the same place as me, but I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I wanted to do this conference first and, you know, yeah, teach it a little bit in person first. Uh, I find the subject really interesting, though, because it really uh, brings more aliveness to the urban and suburban landscape and more of a sense of enchantment and being connected. And uh, I I just think that landscaping plants, unless you're a horticulturalist, tend to be, like, overlooked and kind of downplayed so that's why I started learning about it so yeah that was my class I feel like it went well I got to take some good classes I got to chat with some great people which is my favorite part and uh, some of them are going to be guests on the show soon so that's exciting and uh, yeah we just need to get it get it in the calendar and do it but I'm pretty excited so let's see what else happened? So I'm reading a book I just want to tell you about. I think I have to do an episode. I'd like it to be an episode with someone else. I think it'd be kind of a boring thing to just listen to me blab about. It'd be nicer maybe as a conversation, but uh, an episode about the books and other resources that have helped us with with our money lives. Uh, If you want that, tell me. I mean, I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm always curious if people are interested in some of the same things as me yeah but so I'm reading this book I'm not that far in I'm on chapter two or something but it's called the seven stages of money maturity 
Understanding the Spirit and Value of Money in Your Life by George Kinder. My aunt gave it to me several months ago, and I just have sat down to read it recently. And this book is really incredible. I've never read anything like it. It's not some sort of shallow or judgy or quick fix kind of thing. It's And it's not, I wouldn't say it's terribly heavy handed either. It's, it's actually really contemplative. Uh, and it's organizing some things for me in my mind and heart that were really actually kicked up and gave me a lot to think about when I read The Millionaire Next Door last year. And this is sort of like the next one. It feels like those two could be part of a thing together. Anyway, the seven stages of money maturity. So if you are, if your interest is peaked, um, definitely I recommend. And if you're like, I really don't want to think about this, um, that's fine too. Uh, I think that's about it. I don't have any other classes I'm doing anytime soon. I do my astrology class at the community college in the fall, but I don't have anything between now and then. That should be in September. I'll talk about it then. Uh, if you would like to book an astrology reading with me, you can do that on my website anytime, soilandstars.art. I'm always happy to do charts for people. It's a great joy. Uh, you can also buy the Know Your Chart, Know Yourself workshop for $25 whenever you like. There's some art on the site. Uh, as usual, you can take a look at and buy if you want to. Uh, oh, <laughs> I remember last week I was talking about how I was going to try doing a Groupon again. So that all happened. I made my deal on Groupon and it kind of like you can't really call it anything that special. It just says like psychic astrologer fortune teller or whatever, <laughs> uh, which is funny. I'm not a psychic, but uh, I they didn't put me on some kind of blast or anything like had happened when I had done this before. So, so literally nothing whatsoever has happened, but if you want, <laughs> if you want, you can, you can do the Groupon. Um, if you want to get a reading from me, you can do the Groupon. Um, you just have to find it on Groupon.com. It's just psychic astrologer, fortune teller, uh, soil and stars. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a little hard to tell what's what. So Anyway, that that's that was slightly anticlimactic, but you know, it is what it is. We'll see what we'll see what happens. So making a little bit of a transition here. Okay. Going over to the newsletter now. Getting a drink of water. Okay. Here we go. This newsletter slash blog slash podcast is about living a meaningful life and is not intended as sociopolitical commentary. Usually you can find that anywhere. My activist days are long done unless you count gardening as activism, which I don't. This is the same intro basically that I wrote last time, by the way. Yet I have some things I'd like to share that have been trying that have been in me trying to push their way out. In a couple of weeks, when I finish writing and sharing about this, I'll return to the usual astrology, creativity, herbology, etc. content. In the meantime, skip if you want, unsubscribe if you want, or continue to listen and enjoy. This is another piece that's more high level. Next week, I'll share some of my personal story. Okay, view from the outside, part two. Here we go. 
I thought trauma was something that happened when you were young and powerless and then healed from as an adult by and by. I didn't know that I had this belief until it was soundly disproven. I knew there could be disastrous things like war or the death of a child that could cause new trauma as an adult, but I thought maybe that was the exception, not the norm. In my own adult life, I faced any number of difficulties, none of them enormous in the scheme of things, and none as difficult as certain things in my childhood, mainly just because as an adult, I could walk away. You know, and there's things like my mother's death when I was 23, but in a way, I was a little bit more emotionally prepared for that, right, than had I been a child. Anyway, I can see now how unconscious, very American and arrogant that view was. I'm not being hard on myself here. It's just true. But the pandemic gave me and a lot of us new trauma. For some, the trauma came in an obvious way, the death of a loved one or several. For others, it had to do with working in the medical field in institutions which were woefully unprepared for dealing with the threat of a novel infectious disease. For others, it had to do with being isolated in their homes for long periods of time and not being able to access necessary support networks, all while taking in a steady drip of media that set them into a severe and chronic stress response. For others, it had to do with feeling terribly isolated from people they had been close to because they had different beliefs and thoughts about the nature of the pandemic, of its causes, its effects, and possible cures. That one rippled out a few different ways. One of those ways was that people who chose not to get the COVID shot were often treated as as untouchables. The whole thing has felt like a divide and conquer strategy. I'm not going to spend my time or energy speculating on who exactly was strategizing and what the end game is. If there really is one, certainly there are some bad actors I have some ideas, but other than news outlets that earn money based on views and emotionally charged content gets a lot more attention than anything level-headed and other businesses and individual people, which had a lot to gain financially here, I don't think I'm really in a position to know what's going on. Whatever the causes and motives, what I saw around me was divide and conquer. This is an extremely effective strategy. It's very hard to counteract. If seeds of distrust are sown, I wrote sowed. <laughs> let me let me fix that. Are sown between people. It's very hard to build that trust again. I don't know how possible it is, really, on a large scale. But on an individual level, we can always open our hearts and start anew. That's one of the gifts of a human life. Black and white thinking and the stress response. I need you to do the same things as me for me to be safe. I need you to do the same things as me or you're a very bad person who's endangering my very existence. I need you to agree with me, validate my choices, and never poke a hole in my worldview or you are dangerous. This is the way we think when we are under severe stress. Black and white thinking is a characteristic of the stress response, both in short-term situations and long-term situations where our stress response keeps getting reactivated around the same stuff or different stuff, you know. If we read the news, if we read the news or were on social media at all in the year, in that year from spring, well, actually, it's just in general. I wrote um, spring of 2020 to 21 because I was still kind of on I was still kind of on the news and on social media then. Um, we were 
absolutely pumped full of fear. I think that's still happening, but not always around the same issues. If you were someone who fell into this pattern and you are reading this and it feels scary because I'm holding up the mirror, I want you to know that none of this makes you a bad person either. You were a person under extreme stress. Black and white thinking, moral exclusion, and scapegoating are all common things people do when they're terrified. This is part of being human. The question is, what do you want to do now? Have you been able to get yourself to a more settled place? And can you now bring your higher thinking capabilities and your compassion back online? Attachment trauma and the COVID story. Learning about attachment trauma slash attachment styles has been huge for me in the past few years. My cousin loaned me a copy of the book Attached and told me to read it. Um, I have that linked in the newsletter. Uh, I'd have to look up the author, but you can find it. It's, uh, it's like a kind of a popular psychology book. So yeah, my cousin loaned me a copy of the book Attached and told me to read it so that we could talk about it. And that was the beginning. That book is not really fair to avoidant people, and it isn't the whole story either, but it was a really good start for me. If you aren't a psychology nerd like me and don't know what I'm talking about at all, I would nutshell it that as social creatures, we depend on each other, who depend on each other. Ideally, we are securely attached. It feels much better to everyone. But lots of people have insecure attachment and are anxious, avoidant, or both. There are different ways of understanding why this is and how it all works out. People who are securely attached want closeness and love and connection. They know they want it and they feel comfortable wanting it. They aren't unduly scared that love and closeness will be withdrawn from them suddenly. And they likewise aren't scared of the closeness itself unless it is totally smothering. So that's like a little over half the population by the way. Then there's the rest of us. <laughs> Avoidant people also want closeness, love, etc. But then when they get too close, it actually scares them. They don't always recognize they're scared of the closeness, but instead tell themselves they just like to be independent or that some other person, like the one who got away, some made up fantasy person, whoever, is more right for them than the person they're actually with. This can have a lot of nuance and can show up in different ways. Sometimes this is hard because there can be a lot of like unconscious pushing people away. If you're avoidant, you can really be, you can tell yourself a lot of stories and push people away uh, in kind of weird sideways ways. Um, anxiously attached people are those who get very scared and anxious when they perceive love and connection being withdrawn from them. That's me, although I have become more secure over time. Anxious attachment can manifest as jealousy for some people or clinginess or hyper-reactivity to things like sending a text to your lover or partner and them not getting back to you for a few hours. If you're anxiously attached, not hearing back from someone like that can easily lead to an anxiety spiral, to your anxiety ratcheting up moment by moment and the situation feeling like life or death, which sounds crazy, right? Um... But that's what it's like. And a lot of people know what I'm talking about. And it's not like fear of rejection. It's like if the person actually rejects you, you can have a cry and move on. It's when you're in this, what feels like an in-between space and you don't know. Um, so this is a whole big fat topic I'm skimming the surface of. And obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a person who reads. 
The way people talk about attachment is often in regard to romantic relationships, just like the examples I gave. But if you're anxious or avoidant, it will show up in nearly every area of your life. Money, friendships, jobs, relationships with colleagues and clients, any relationship you have with anyone or anything. Once I started to see anxious attachment in myself, I saw it in most areas of my life. It was obvious and nearly all of my crazy showed up when my attachment system was activated. So in the newsletter, I share a meme. I'm not going to try to describe a meme, though. (laughs) Uh, So this is all stuff you can heal, though. You can create secure attachment as an adult, bit by bit. So don't feel bad about yourself or like you're doomed if you see these characteristics in yourself. I am much more secure than I used to be because I've done a lot of emotional healing work to create internal security, you know, that's, that's separate from having, you know, a house and a partner and whatever it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very much an internal thing. So the method I have personally benefited from is, is called to be magnetic. Um, that's to be, to be magnetic.com if you're curious, but as my dad says, there are many roads to Mount Fuji. I think it might be up Mount Fuji. I don't know. There's different ways of doing something. You don't have to do the same thing as me. Uh, So I'm taking the time to lay all of this out here because for myself, I think a lot of other people too, the COVID experience activated our attachment systems. Any person who's anxiously attached, it doesn't matter your belief system around COVID. My guess is that it activated your attachment system. Situations arose in which you felt abandoned, you felt betrayed, you felt terrified, or you felt the potential for those feelings and you ran hard in the direction that brought security and a sense of safety. Perhaps you fell into black and white thinking and blame. I think even some securely attached people felt and did these things because, as I said at the start, this experience gave us new trauma. I'm not sure it has to connect back to something in childhood. The invitation is to bring our compassion for ourselves and for others and our logical thinking back online. What if you didn't blame anyone for anything, but instead met yourself in the world in each moment anew? What if you promised the most vulnerable and despised parts of yourself? I will always, always love you and care for you. I will never leave you. And you really meant it. What if you took all of your pain and let it crack you open. And once you did, you found something kind of like bliss. What if you really knew that there is nothing in the outside world that is not also inside of you? Yes, we can. We have had new trauma. Yes, we've had new trauma. Can you love yourself and others again, even through that? That's it. I hope that you are able to take care of yourself today and this week. If you are really feeling stuck about if you're realizing yeah I am I am activated like my attachment system is activated my you know yeah this was traumatic you know be really be really gentle with yourself there's a lot of things you can do to settle your nervous system down and you know get to a more grounded place so my guess is you you actually have a lot of tools you just can um find them if you take a minute to think and and remember you know what's helped you with that in the past because there's there's a lot of different ways to do that and um if this isn't resonating with you (laughs) if you're like whatever this wasn't like that for me i'm that's great (laughs) 
<laughs> I, but I've seen a lot of people, uh, yeah, in pretty severe stress response and, um, and a lot of trauma. So this is my contribution towards collective healing as of right now. Um, yeah, take good care. All right, see you next time.